0: Hi, I'm Leah Potter, and I'm Meredith Roten, and we're two news editors at the GW Hatchet. This is the Hatchet's weekly podcast, Getting to the Bottom of It, covering the happenings around Foggy Bottom and GW's campus. I'm here with two of our reporters, Lizzie and Nia, who worked on a story this week about an alumna who started a new food program. Thanks for coming on, guys.
1: Thanks so much for having us.
2: Thanks for having us. And how does this program work? So at the current moment, students that are signed up with Last Call, they get an email that lists meal deals around campus and specific times when they can go and get the deals. They just did a test run with Which Which, and their future goal is for them to have an app that students can have and use to find out about the meal deals and what time they're having so they don't have to use their email.
0: And right now, how is the test run going?
1: So the deal that they created with Witch Witch is that students could pay $3.85 to get a sandwich, a drink, and chips. Um, They said that they gained great traction with Witch Witch in order for students to go and get cheap and affordable meals that normally Witch Witch would just throw out at the end of the night.
0: Tell me about how this started and more about the students involved.
1: Yeah, so the two co-founders of Last Call for Food are Chloe King and Erin McGoy. Chloe King originally had an internship with the World Wildlife Fund, and when she went to study abroad, she uh, suggested that her friend Erin pick up where she left off with the internship. So Erin worked with the food waste team at World Wildlife Fund and did a lot of research into global food insecurity and food waste. So Last Call for Food is really based on that. Their mission is to pair uh, students at GW with restaurants around DC for discounted meals. So whatever food is going to be normally thrown away by these restaurants, uh, Chloe and Aaron plan on working with these students to let them know of these cheap deals that restaurants have before the businesses close in order to both combat food insecurity on campus and also reduce the amount of food waste that restaurants produce in DC. Here's what Erin had to say about her creation of Last Call.
3: We both struggled with like food insecurity and you know, like GW is like a very rich school but not really talked about is um, you know the students who do struggle and like can't go out to eat every night for dinner or like sweet cream for okay. lunch, whatever. So I just knew that there was like a want for a cheap meal
2: offering.
0: What are they looking to do in the future?
1: In the future, their goal is to, again, develop the app, develop a website. They currently have a website up, but they're looking to hire a software engineer to help them further develop the website. Um, And their long-term goal is to eventually partner with a lot of the restaurants around campus and around DC.
0: Well, thanks for coming on, guys, and telling us more about this student's creation.
1: Thanks so much for having us.
0: Thank you.
3: Kayla Harris, the senior news editor, is here to talk about a story that we worked on together um, about a new assessment that President LeBlanc is doing uh, on institutional culture. Can you start off and just tell us a little bit about his initiative?
4: Yeah, definitely. President LeBlanc is partnering with this institute that does some leadership surveys and stuff of that nature to gauge the institutional culture of the university. So this is a survey that's going to be sent out to faculty and staff over the next couple of weeks. It's going to ask uh, questions about how people feel about leadership at GW and their confidence in leadership and the overall culture of the university. And LeBlanc said that he's going to take the results of this survey and transform that into an action plan for GW to take to make some improvements that will make faculty and staff happier with the environment at GW and more comfortable with the culture.
3: And for people who don't know what the Disney Institute is, that's part of actual like the the company disney that makes the movies and does disney world all of that
4: disney has a lot of different working parts so you know you have disney the movies you have disney the theme parks and you have disney a whole bunch of other stuff so the disney institute shares the disney um trademark but i I wouldn't really necessarily associate it with the movies the disney institute is a leadership institute and basically it, it focuses on the culture of Disney as, as a company and as you know, a workplace and so the Disney Institute offers trainings and workshops and surveys for other companies so that they can gauge the way that they work and you know one of the one of the things that LeBlanc was bringing up when we sat down with him I'm sure you remember is he was saying okay the, the Disney Institute they're really focused on culture because they say it takes X amount of people to get a job done in a certain amount of time but if X amount of people getting a job done in a certain amount of time sacrifices any of the personal connections that they would make with the customers or stuff like that. They don't want that. And so they would rather have someone be less efficient but focus more on customer care. And so uh that's kind of what the Disney Institute
3: does. And why is this something that President Leblanc has been focused so much on recently?
4: Leblanc has been focusing on institutional culture since day one. Um he's always said that he's a data person, you know, and and he he says that multiple times he's a computer scientist. So we talk a lot about culture and we talk a lot about anecdotes about Culture And so his main thing here is that we don't really have any statistics to back up that uh, claim that, you know, the institutional culture isn't great here and there's no real uh, data to pinpoint to say, okay, faculty are upset about this or staff are upset about this. And so that's kind of the purpose of this survey is to get some data on this data that can be, you know, put in a spreadsheet and analyzed by other computer scientists or by other data people. And so there can be actual conclusions drawn based on the data instead of just relaying anecdotes.
3: And working with that, uh, that name brand, working with a third party that comes with a price tag, um, $300,000, that's not cheap. But why did the president say that it was something that was worth investing in?
4: I mean, he literally said this is a direct measure of how much this means to us. He said, is institutional culture something that we care about? Yeah, clearly it's something that we care about because that's what he's heard from faculty and staff. And so is it worth funneling $300,000 into bettering the culture at GW? He thinks it's worth it.
3: Is this something that typically happens at other institutions?
4: I can't speak for all other universities, but definitely some of the experts that I've spoken to at other schools, like the University of Southern California and uh, Cal Berkeley, they issue surveys. The University of Miami, LeBlanc's former institution, also issues surveys and um, does, you know, even if it's not a survey specifically, they do some sort of measure of institutional culture on a regular basis. Um, LeBlanc was saying, yeah, I don't know why. GW hasn't done one over the past few years, but um, other schools definitely do it. They try to gauge the culture.
3: Thanks, Kayla, for talking to us about this story this
4: Of course, anytime.
3: Leah, you have a story this week about some updates to the Student Code of Conduct, and this is the first time they've updated this document for more than two decades, right? Right, so the last time that they actually did a full comprehensive review
0: of the Student Code of Conduct was in 1996. So that's about 22 years ago. So now they're going into this, they're going to make a few minor changes just to be reflective of current policies and procedures, but another step that they're going to take is they're going to host listening sessions. So these are going to include students who are coming and voicing their concerns, voicing their ideas about what they think should be included in the Student Code of Conduct. And in particular, they're going to be reaching out to student leaders, so members of the Student Association and other prominent student groups on campus to solicit feedback. But why are they choosing to update this now? This comes as we have a new director of the Office of Student Rights and Responsibilities who came on over the summer And Christy Anthony, who is the new director of this office, said coming on, this is something that she wanted to do, and this is also something that experts in higher education have said. If you have a new person in this role, typically the first thing they're going to do is evaluate the student code of conduct and see what changes they hope to be made. This is also a chance for someone to come in with a fresh perspective.
3: And so some things she's going to be evaluating over time and deciding what they want to change, but are there any things that are taking place immediately that are changing?
0: Yeah, a few things that they're looking to change right off the bat include eliminating fines within sanctions. So say if a student violates something in the code of conduct, uh, previously, they were fine, so this could be anywhere from maybe $25 or maybe $250, and the reasoning behind this is that this can be difficult for students of lower socioeconomic statuses, and where this might mean that one student foregoes going out to eat one night, it might mean for another student that they can't actually purchase their books. So now administrators want to look at creating more specific sanctions that are more conducive to character building and something that doesn't include a fine but includes more direct steps in
3: terms of changing behavior. They're also changing the structure of how students can appeal their violations, is that correct?
0: Yes, they're also adding additional avenues to appeal the outcome of a case. In the past, you had only one option, which was to bring new evidence to a case. And now you have several different avenues, including if you feel like the severity of your sanction was unfair or if you feel like any part of the case process was mishandled. These are also
3: ways that you can appeal the outcome. Is having alternate appeal options something that's typical across higher education?
0: Yeah. One thing that we found when looking at other peer schools and other universities across the country was that a lot of other schools already had multiple avenues to appeal the outcome of a case in this type of setting. And this is also an area of concern that students have addressed as well. In spring of 2017, a former student led a series of protests after she found the outcome of her Title IX hearing to be unfair. And after launching a petition in protest of this outcome, one of the things she was calling for was more avenues to appeal the outcome of these types of cases, but now specifically Title IX cases are separate from SRR, but still this is reflective of what she was asking for in her petition and what a lot of other students have said in the past.
3: Are they doing anything to update the language itself of the code?
0: Yeah, another key change that they're looking to make is updating the pronouns used in the Student Code of Conduct to make them more inclusive, so there are a lot of places where pronouns are binary. And then there are also a lot of places still that administrators said only use male pronouns. So now they're hoping to make pronouns inclusive for all students because the student code of conduct is something they said that should be inclusive of the entire student body. Thanks for
3: sharing these updates. Yeah, and I'll be sure to keep you updated on anything that happens about this. Margo, this week you have a story about a GW alum who made it to the big time and is actually performing at a DC Music Festival next
2: week. Yeah, so Joshua Carpa, who is a GW alum, graduated in 2015. He has a stage named Cautious Clay and will be performing on October 7th at All Things Go with fellow acts Carly Rae Jepsen. Betty Who, and his friend Billie Eilish. The All Things Go Fall Classic will commence October 6th and 7th, with musical acts going from 1pm to 11.30pm. His music as cautious Clay takes from his improvisational jazz studies that he learned while playing the flute and at GW in the jazz department. It also infuses elements of pop and alternative R&B. Here's his song Call Me. Only wanna hear the good news Carpe graduated from the Elliott School in 2015 with a minor in jazz studies from the music department and he talks about how he developed a musical interest at a very early age at the age of seven he was looking at the movie Aladdin and was really interested in the flute or piccolo that the snake charmer was playing even if it wasn't um, really a flute it turned him on to it and it's something that he honed along with the saxophone at the music department here. How did he
3: break into the music scene?
2: Yeah, it's really funny. He was telling me that he spent one more year in DC before going to Brooklyn, and for a little bit he was pursuing real estate for the first two years. Quit his job in real estate in June of last year and started pursuing music full time. From there, like he just kind of was working shows and and putting his music out there. And he talks a lot about the internet and getting him the supernova level of fame, kind of in a in sound a weird SoundCloud? way. No, not he a might, SoundCloud. yeah. So he may not have a SoundCloud, but he has gone one step further in attracting names such as Khalid and Alina Baraz, who he's on tour with this year. He's written tracks for them. And he also has been doing a lot of work with John Mayer, who um, he says he has inside jokes with. And he was telling me that, you know, even John Mayer has been writing guitar parts for his own music.
3: Is he just doing tours right now? Is he in the studio?
2: He's been on tour with Alina Baraz, as I said, for this year, and along with the festival, uh, the All Things Go Fall Classic. He is working on getting his first project out right now. Did he
3: talk about how his time at GW kind of influenced his music career now and what he does?
2: Yeah. He said that the music department was a place where like, you know, he actually found it within himself to kind of pursue music as a a real thing and that the amount of support he received from his professors in honing his craft. He had been pursuing music since age seven. but. It was never something that he would have imagined, you know, getting a degree in international affairs. You don't really picture yourself then just dropping everything and becoming a musician. In 2015, the music department suffered some really deep cuts in its funding. And he said that was a large part of the reason why he was disappointed or like didn't come back to GW. And so heres him now discussing his reaction to the music department's treatment after graduation.
4: I mean, like right about the time I was graduating was when
2: they they, they actually lost a bunch of funding, and
4: a bunch of my favorite professors actually couldn't even work there anymore. so it was pretty upsetting for me and mm-hmm. partially why I, I haven't really been super involved in like, you know even my perspectives on on the scene or anything going on musical at the camp at the campus because it like kind of felt a little bit like a stab, you know, in the back for,
2: for for what I was doing at the time.
3: Thanks for giving us the latest on Cautious Clay.
2: Yeah, thanks, Meredith.
0: That's all for this week. Thanks for joining us on Getting to the Bottom of It. Getting to the Bottom of It is hosted by news editors Meredith Roten and Leah Potter and features culture editor Margot Dines. This podcast is produced by managing editor Matt Cullen and video editor Ariana Dunham. Music is produced by Olk Studio and Cautious Clay. Special thanks to Kayla Harris for joining us. See you next week.